This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning to you. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White. I'm here today with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor. Wilts Contreras is out today. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio's show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department, all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wilts can help you keep it safe. And both can do either well, so you're in good hands either way. Love to hear from you this morning. Got any tech problems, issues, questions, stuff you're looking forward to, something you've long awaited that you finally got your hands on that you want to talk to us about or just something in technology that you have passion for. We'd love to hear from you today. Email us everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Plenty to dig into. First, let's talk to uh, Jeremy. Good morning. What's going on? How's it How's it been going the last week or so? Hey, good morning, Jay. I have uh, I have been really busy doing uh, some hardware upgrades for a client. And, uh, you know, I've been... Burning the candle at both ends, kind of like the last time you talked to me. <laughs> I was going to say, 2022 has been busy for you, but that's a good thing. Yeah, the summer has picked up quite a lot, and uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. I'm uh, I'm just trying to find enough time to squeeze it all in there right now. I would be doing a MacBook screen repair while I was on the air, but <laughs> my brain is just like mud right now, so I'm just going to focus on the show and not try to multitask. And I think I'm going to be grateful for that later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on top of that, I don't know how you would be able to uh, do both of those at the same time. Uh, that's I'll do it all the time. right. That's well, I know that's impressive that you can apply what you know about these repairs and things, and you're making all these uh, these delicate switches and stuff like that. All those little ribbons that you got to pull out of those sensors and things like that. That's a uh, yeah. A lot of respect for anybody that can do that with all of their attention on it, much, much less it being divided. So, yeah. So this is interesting. Um, being at the in the student union building on the campus of the University of Southern Miss, um, you know, we were uh, thinking it, it might be interesting when all the students are there. Of course, it's going to be bonanza. But uh, when they all leave, uh, you know, how are you going to keep that that going? But it looks like uh, that's not been an issue so far at all. So congratulations on that. Well, so, you know, I've been doing it long enough and there's enough people out there that really appreciate the work that I've done for them in the past. So usually somebody they know runs into an issue and they send them my way. So I'm, I'm grateful for all the clients that have uh, referred me and uh, continue to use me. It's uh, it's it's a blessing every every day to be able to do what I love to do. And I, I you know, I, I am a lot happier doing this than when I did IT repair for like, you know, bigger companies and um, it's just, it's a lot more fun because I feel like I affect people on an individual level and I'm able to put my own personal touch on what I do, which is really what makes it special for me. So, you know, um, I, I decided a long time ago that I was like done wearing like the typical polo shirt and the, you know, khakis and all that. So, um, you know, I, I like this sport, like button downs that look like I'm on vacation and, um, you know, I just try to make it more fun for myself and for everybody involved because uh let's face it it and technology is terrible and most of the time when you need it most is when it doesn't work and that's when you call somebody like me so you're already really frustrated and i can respect that and i can be delicate 
and uh, I can usually deliver a, a timely solution to the issue. But yeah, it's it's endlessly frustrating for people, and uh, I am happy to be able to, you know, quote, wave a magic wand and uh, make it all work again. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's dig into some of the the stories that we might be. Uh talking about a little bit. Um, one of the things about technology that's, uh, or I should say consumer technology that's most fascinating to me is the the streaming wars, something we talked about uh, a whole lot a couple of years ago, but uh, we've talked about it far less since as that market is kind of, it's, it's shaken out largely. Uh, everybody has kind of settled in and raised prices 37 times, uh, I guess is what I mean by settled in. But, um, uh, there's uh, some more movement here, and it's, I don't know, pretty surprising. There's a merger of parent companies that is um, causing two pretty popular streaming services to what is most likely merge. Uh, we're talking about HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Uh, a merger is coming. The two will become uh, one app and one service. Not sure which will win, according to the story. Um, and become the app that the other lives inside of or the other's content will live inside of. Um, uh, big changes are in store for HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Uh, their combination has been a known topic since March, and uh, a lot of people were kind of freaking out about which one dies because uh, it looked like uh, HBO's parent company was being taken over uh, by Discovery's parent company, and instead of a takeover, it's more like a merger. So... Uh, the two apps are one or the other may not be going away, uh, but at some point they'll both merge into one app. For a con for the consumer, this seems like a good deal because uh, instead of paying for two of those apps, which I've done simultaneously, you'll only pay for one. Maybe more, but you'll get a whole lot more stuff uh, squished into one app. Jeremy, I don't know if I've asked you this in a little while, but uh, for, as far as like video content, how, how do you... How do you consume your video these days? For me, it's like uh, it's 95% YouTube. I mostly watch HBO Max, and I'm sitting here wondering what the name of the new app is going to be. Is it going to be Biscov? Biscov Max Plus. There you go. <laughs> Biscov Max. We're sitting in a boardroom right now. Like, what What do we do, guys? Do we, yeah. HBO Every. Two names. Yeah, that's yeah, it. There you, like, there's endless suggestions here. It's almost like coming up with the name for the new iPhone um, and throwing the word Max in there. Uh, <laughs> I I actually watch HBO Max a lot, so I am curious uh, what that's going to be called now. Um, it's between that and, and Hulu most of the time. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the Discovery app um, and their parent company, I mean, those are several – high-profile cable stations that have been self-sustaining for decades. The, I mean, HBO, uh, those three letters kind of speak for themselves in the entertainment industry. And uh, I, I'm not sure about uh, Discovery. Uh, some, of, some of, I don't have a list of their, um, their hits in front of me or their big titles, and I confuse some of theirs with what Peacock runs out there as well, which is another really good kind of a la carte streaming service. Uh, but um, HBO Max has had several hits already. So this is interesting. Um, kind of like you're saying, I, I think a lot of people have uh, kind of clung to HBO Max and their, and their cord cutting 
And so we'll see how this works out. But yeah, it looks like Discovery and HBO Max Discovery could be merging. Has like HGTV, Food Network, TLC, of course, Discovery, uh, ID, Lifetime, Own. I didn't even know all that. History, I figured that one. Uh, whatever the Dodo is. <laughs> so we'll be able to stream Ancient Aliens on Biscov Max Plus. There you go. <laughs> one other thing uh, about streaming and entertainment. Walmart is investigating building its own streaming service, according to the New York Times. And it's taking, uh, it's talking to some big-name content players about which shows and movies it can offer to Walmart Plus subscribers. Evidently, just throw a plus behind anything. And that makes anything. it a streaming service, right? Or Max. Uh, somebody trademark MPB Plus quick. MPB Plus Max. Max Plus. Uh, the company has apparently held discussions with Paramount, another streaming service, Disney, and Comcast, about the service, though it's not clear whether those discussions came to anything and Walmart declined to comment. Over the last few years, Walmart's tried a number of ways to get deeper into the entertainment business. It acquired Voodoo, remember that, all the way back in 2010. Holy cow, it's a long time ago now. Uh, then they mostly neglected the service for a decade before selling it to Fandango in 2020. Meanwhile, as far back, could you imagine working for Voodoo? And being bought by Walmart and just existing for 10 years, you know, just being bought. And they're like, we're going to do all these amazing things. And then not shutting you down or selling you off, but just letting you like, not, like nothing happens. In the wind. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's better than like most technology mergers work for employees. But yeah, it's just like for 10 years. They just kind of were like, okay. Yeah, I don't know. They said it's going to happen eventually. We're just going to keep working. I think I do remember getting like a, a card or something suggesting that I that I check out Voodoo once. Yeah. Like I picked it up more. I think I, I remember hearing about that, but I really don't remember. I mean, I never used it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, as far back as 2018, Walmart was rumored to be developing its own streaming service before dropping those plans. It's made deals with Redbox and other streaming and rental companies over time. And even as a streaming box from its in-house on ONN brand, um, which is the brand that it, uh, the in-house brand for a lot of its uh, tech accessories and different things like that, chargers and cables and things like that. But now, as it continues to look for perks to offer people spending $98 a year on Walmart Plus, the company appears to be re-engaging its streaming plans. One important thing to understand about Walmart Plus is that it's basically just Amazon Prime. Your membership gets you free shipping on Walmart orders. Ah, leverage. That's fantastic. Faster <laughs> checkout and special members-only deals and also cheaper gas. So this is going to be successful. Walmart is looking for ways to inspire more brand loyalty and to bring people into its subscription universe and thus its marketplace. Uh, getting into the content wars Helps that ambition in two ways. It gives people more to do inside of the Walmart ecosystem as if there wasn't enough to do there already. And it shrinks the number of bills that customers are paying. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is like Amazon in that they have the size and wealth and enormity and platform to offer something like this. But it's not something they do. So they have enough services in enough different areas of um, – just, you know, the commercial industry, period, retail, 
that they can leverage people with their other services into trying this out, which is largely what Amazon Prime has done uh, to great success. So that's interesting. Walmart into the streaming. I mean, look, how many millions of people visit their stores every day? So you got people knocking on the door. I'm, I'm actually surprised that they didn't do this quicker and they're not already into this game, to be dead honest with you, although they have tried with Voodoo, evidently. V-U-D-U. If you spell it really cute, it makes it totally different. Let's go to Johnny, who is on the line in Brookhaven. Johnny, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? I think, uh, you know, the recent CHIPS Act that was passed is a real victory. Uh, you know, Congress passed it. The president signed it into law where we'll uh, produce microprocessors here in the United States instead of overseas. And uh, from what I understand, we weren't producing any here. But now, you know, it'll mean American jobs, uh, greater national security, I think just better things all around. So I'm I'm just glad we're bringing manufacturing back here. And, um, yeah, I mean, these things go into almost everything we use. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's about time. And, and again, for, I think, main thing is national security. You know, we, we have to really be on the lookout. And, and American jobs, gosh, enough with outsourcing. We, we, um, even if we have to pay a bit more, you know, um, I don't know. We, we've just been outsourcing too much for too long. So I'm just glad to see that this thing passed. Johnny, Thank you. Johnny, how soon do you think this may have an impact on... Uh, maybe speeding up the availability of, uh, you know, just things that we've been used to having access to, and all of a sudden now there's been a crunch on in uh, in the oh, retail world. Well, I mean, that's another question, too. I mean, there will be a lag. I mean, there there may be, yeah. maybe about it could be at least a three-year lag. I mean, that may be optimistic. It could be quicker. Yeah. Knows, but, I mean, we shouldn't expect anything immediate. But for the long term, I mean, it's a positive thing, yeah. absolutely, and make us less dependent on countries like China with horrible human rights records and, and really who doesn't stand for our values at all. You know, they treat their people terribly. And uh, so anyway, we, we should um, – the things that we value, we should put our money there and, you know, bring things back home, you know, invest in our own people. Man, Johnny, if 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 you're you should run for office with a catchphrase like thing, <laughs> things we value, we should spend money there. It's that simple. That's, I mean, it's pretty simple, but that's like a that's a remarkable political catchphrase. Uh, well, look, I appreciate, it, but the problem is I don't have enough money to run. <laughs> right, same, same, same boat. Hey, Johnny, thank you so much for calling and and uh, your comments and for putting that on our radar this morning. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much, too. Right, Y'all have a good one. All right. You do the same. Thanks, uh, Johnny, from Brookhaven this morning. Got a story about how some end-of-life printing is not going as consumers might have wanted. And that's not a shocker. Jeremy, printers, right? I could just say that, and you could probably go for the rest of the hour, right? Love them. There you go. Right. Okay. There we go. Uh, Printers remain one of the most frustrating pieces of consumer electronics. But as it turns out, a thirst for pricey ink and occasionally chewing up and choking on paper aren't the biggest challenges of using an Epson printer. I don't think makes salt. As some users have discovered, the hardware might be programmed to simply stop working one day if used too frequently. Jeremy, what? What? (laughs) <laughs> the, the phrase planned obsolescence gets thrown around a lot within consumer electronics as a practice where a product is specifically designed and built 
with a limited lifespan so that it needs to be upgraded or replaced in just a few years' time. Most companies deny using this approach or will cite very specific but questionable reasons as to why it's necessary. Let's see, uh, uh, the writer of this story, uh, which is on The Verge, by the way, uh, shared recently a few frustrating experiences with their wife's very expensive Epson printer which seemingly out of the blue displayed a warning message stating that it had reached the end of its service life. It then simply stopped working, requiring either a servicing to bring it back from the dead or a full-on replacement. So what was the issue with the printer? A dead motor, a fatally circuit, uh, a, f- a faulty circuit board, N- neither of those things. The error message was related to uh, porous pads Inside the printer that collect and contain excess ink, these wear out over time, leading to potential risks of property damage from ink spills or potentially even damage to the printer itself. Usually other components in the printer wear out before these pads do, or consumers upgrade to a better model after a few years, but some high-volume users may end up receiving this error message, while the rest of the printer seems perfectly fine and usable. Uh, according to the Fight to Repair Substack, The self-bricking issue affects the Epson L130, the I220, also an interstate in Jackson, the L310, the L360, and the L365 model. So if you have an Epson L130, L220, L310, L360, and L365 models. But could affect other models as well and dates back at least five years. There's already videos on YouTube showing other Epson users manually replacing the ink pads so that their printers will just come back on. And the company does provide a Windows-only ink pad reset utility that will extend the life of the printer for a short period of time. But it can only be used once and afterwards the hardware will either need to be officially serviced or completely replaced. Jeremy? Your thoughts about the uh, the <laughs> number one the the printing industry the the consumer home printing industry and then these Epson computers with their built in end of life. Okay, but hold up. First off, I want to say that the, when you first started this article out, it sounded more nefarious, like Epson literally just programmed in an end of life script to their machine and then it just died but there is a pad inside that absorbs ink and eventually it just absorbs too much ink but it is replaceable so i don't know i mean i think in this case maybe it's just a really bad design um you know this is a little different than like apple just not allowing you to upgrade to the latest os because oh your hardware no longer for whatever reason supports it so, and don't get me wrong, I, I want to go after Epson because when, when you said that printers were on the chopping block and the name Epson came up, I was like, yes, because <laughs> that's my least favorite brand of printer. I was going to say, is that the biggest culprit of, of random, maddening Twitter, not Twitter, but printer issues? It's the one I replaced the most frequently. I'm like, oh, you got an Epson? No, we. Mm-mm. I mean, I'll try a couple. <laughs> then we're gonna replace it. Like, I don't like working on these. So between those and Lexmark, yeah, those are those are some terrible printers. Lexmark. But, I mean, they. Yeah, I, I, I've worked on 
laser printers that are used, you know, thousands of times a month and they've all got pads and things inside of them that have to be replaced. So, I mean, I guess it just sounds like Epson didn't expect that these ink absorbing pads inside would ever absorb enough ink for them to reach end of life. I, I'm not really sure what to say. It's kind of silly. Um, well, it seems to yeah. me like it, it, they haven't, it, it, unlike time. Apple and the iPhones that you, you've been talking about where, you know, those things are, number one, they have such penetration specifically in the North American market. And then number two, just the platform of the cell phone is so like all life encompassing, or at least we let it be, that it's one thing as opposed to a printer kind of being something that's on a person's, well, most people, most people's periphery. Some people need the use, as you mentioned, of printers, and it's very important to them. But it, it seems like instead of just outright locking people into a certain path into replacement, um, they build their things in a way so that it's most likely, at least at some point, you wind up going down this road. And they leave it just... Um, I, I guess they leave the process just enough in the dark that most people will wind up replacing them, right? There should definitely be a better design. Yeah. But may have been part of the decision. But that's – yeah, they, that's on purpose, right? I mean I, I think they're 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 intentionally allowing people to pick this path yes. of using their technology <laughs> yes, to the exactly. point where it breaks. And then, whoop, oh, look here. Right. <clears throat> it's one of those things that like it, it, how much did you spend on your printer to begin with and how much did you expect to get out of it for the price that you paid because you know i'll have people that'll pay for a a 50 dollar, you know just cheap printer and eventually it stops working and they're not too sad about it because it was a 50 dollar cheap printer but it was expected to be cheap so, you know, if she spent $500 on her printer, I, I don't know what it costs. Printers have gone up a bit. So yeah. some of them have gone up a lot depending on what they do. But, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where it's like, well, I didn't expect that I would have to replace my printer because of this. Well, I mean, stuff breaks all the time. If it wasn't that, it'd be something else. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Why do printers always sound like they're about to fly into a million pieces? That's that's what maybe it's because I'm you just totally described me. I'm the guy that buys the $60 printer and uses it for six months. And then I'm, yeah. when it stops working, I'm like, I feel like I've gotten at least $60 out of this. So, you know, and my son's like, Dad, I think I can fix it. I'm like, take it to the bin, son. We're going to get a new one. It's our six month printer run. No, that's not exactly how it works. Usually it just sits in a corner and I go to somebody's house or. Maybe print stuff off somewhere else, maybe at work. I don't know. But it's all work stuff. So, boss, don't worry. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I'm Jay White. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, up first, we have Mike and Hernando. Mike, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? Good morning. Good morning, you guys. I have a about a 10-year-old Kodak printer that I bought at Walmart. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a writer, and I don't use it a lot, but now it's to the point just it keeps saying it's jammed and it isn't so i've got to replace it because i'm tired of you know sending stuff over to ups to get printed if i replace it is there a reasonably priced printer that's got uh some longevity to it because i don't want to keep buying one every few years oh so you don't you don't want the six-month printer 
the Jay no. White, the Jay White printer plan. Yeah, fifty dollar yeah. printer. No. <laughs> okay, so um, honestly, I cannot give you a direct answer to your question um, as far as a printer that you should choose. Um, I would go online and read reviews and read the three star reviews and the two and the ones and see just what exactly people didn't like about it. And also keep in mind that no company produces a perfect product. So there'll always be people that are upset. Uh, so you just kind of have to weigh the ratio of how many bad reviews to good reviews you've got there. Me personally, I don't do inkjet printers anymore. I have a laser printer. I can get thousands of pages out of a $25 cartridge. And it works very, very well. So you might want to look at a laser printer. I've had mine for uh, six, seven years now. Never had an issue with it. Uh, the only other thing I've had to replace on it was a thing called the drum, which is what the toner cartridge attaches to and snaps inside the printer. Um, and well, I think can you guys give me, can you give me a price range of, of like a laser printer? Are they horribly expensive? If you need it with like a scanner and all that on it, yes. Right now they are kind of pricey. Um, if you just want okay. a laser printer, I think you can get one for around 100 to 120, but it's just going to print. It's not going to do any scanning or faxing or anything like that. Oh, that's all I need, just something to print, because I write for a couple of magazines and some newspapers up here in northern Mississippi, and I just need to print stuff off for them. So a laser printer uh, you would suggest? Yes, and I have two brother laser printers that I use. Mine are like the all ones that you can scan on and all that stuff. Like I said, I've yeah. never had an issue with them. And you can find generic cartridges online. Again, read reviews and make sure it's a reputable company uh, that will get you thousands oh, of for $25 a cartridge. Oh, cool, cool. Hey, well, thanks for that. That's going to help me a lot because my Kodak's dead. Absolutely. All right, Mike, we appreciate it. Yeah, and, and look, I just did a – when you asked the question in general, <clears throat> it made me curious, and I did just a very general best consumer home printer search and a tomsguide.com article for summer 2022 uh, listing the best printers you can buy now. And you mentioned this, Jeremy, the number one is the brother ink vestment MFC J nine, nine, five DW. The number two printer is a brother MFC L two, seven, five, zero DW XL. It's the best laser printer. That's what it's called. Uh, the brother ink vestment, the one I just mentioned before, I'll spare you the model number again, is the best overall printer. Um, so uh, there's a Canon Pixma uh, two, uh, TR8620. Uh, it's a great home office printer is what it's listed as. According to Tom's Guide, it's a four-star out of five in the review. That's the number three printer. Uh, Epson Echo Tank Pro ET5850 is a four-and-a-half-star printer. It says best printer for small business. Uh, which tells me you might be getting into a little bit of some price right there. <laughs> That's number four, and it's an Epson printer. How about that? And uh, the Canon Image Class MF743 CDW is the best small business laser printer. It's listed number five, four and a half stars. How about that? But the top two, as you mentioned, are brother printers. Brother. So if you see the word MFC on it, or, or the letters MFC or MFD, that means it's a multifunction center or device mm -hmm. so it's going to have like the fax the scanner the copier and again those those are going to be pretty pricey in fact i went and looked up like the one that i have and it was like almost 400 bucks i was like wow i bought it for like 120 dollars wow you got in there right in time then yeah, yeah uh, several and, years. 
And it's interesting. The, the one that's listed as number one um, is uh, it's seven hundred dollars uh, listed on Amazon, but there's only two of them left. So evidently, there's a crush for them. So it ought to be number one, and it ought to double as a pizza oven. There you go. It probably could in some sort of way or another. I'm trying to see. Me. I'm trying to quickly right. take a look at what the number two printer costs. Oh, it's four hundred. So that's that's far more approachable than the previous one. So there you go. I want to say that in all the time that I've spent in my life replacing people's printers or helping them come to the conclusion that they needed to replace their printer, um, I've noticed that a lot of people have extra ink. And then eventually they try to dump this off on me because they don't have a clue with it because the printer is dead and, hey, do you want this ink? And I'll usually take it, you know, I'll try to recycle it or whatever. But um, don't buy your ink too far ahead because you never know how much longer that printer is going to make it anyways. Yeah. You know what? I think printer ink is something that everybody doesn't think about until they absolutely need it. And then they wind up going to some retail store and spending like 8,000% markup on it. But you said you get yours off Amazon, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You can get it uh, from a generic supplier. Like I said, read the reviews because there's some of them out there that people aren't too happy with. But I've always, I found a few that that work pretty well, especially with my printer and the amount of uh, pages that I print. So um, even when I had a much higher volume, I was doing, you know, probably at least 500 to 1,000 pages a month. And uh, I had no issues with that whatsoever. Yeah, you said 1,000 pages and that thing was still, you know going strong that's impressive to me that's that's that sounds like something i would like you buy it and you like let it, leave it alone and let it do its thing and then it doesn't bother you for like a while more than six months anyway so before we were talking about printers we had a caller talk about the chips act and i did want to go back and talk about that because that is something that we have talked about on the show in the past about how ill thought out it was that we did not have any domestic silicone production in the United States. And so I'm excited to see that this is going to come about. And from what I can dig up, it's going to take at least two years, probably more, to actually make this thing happen. Well, and plus, that's, I mean, we're talking about if, if you're forcing labor here then, you know, some major corporations are always going to balk at that, and they're going to spend a bunch of lobby money on being able to put these things together where it's the absolute cheapest, which is never going to be here. So all of that wrangling is going to happen before we figure out whether or not that's going to be that's going to be an answer for us. Uh, but I do understand what you're saying. Let's go back to the phones. We have Lauren, who's been patient with us in Pearl. Lauren, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? Um, hey, um, I... Uh Got a printer, a hand-me-down printer from um, the previous person in my position, and um, it wouldn't print anything um, initially. So there was a a replacement black um, cartridge provided. I replaced that and uh, still wouldn't print out anything, was kept trying to print an alignment page, and it just had like a... Tiny, a tiny little bit of like gray smudge at one point in the page. Um, so then um, the office manager ordered me the color cartridges. It's a HP printer and it has four cartridges, uh, three color cartridges and a black one. And so I replaced all of them yesterday and it 
printed out an alignment page, but it was only blue and red. Um, and the yellow and the black had been replaced properly, the same as the others. It says on the printer itself, it says that all four cartridges are full. Um, I was wondering what could cause something like that, and is it um, is it worthwhile to try and get it fixed or try and have IT figure out what's the matter with it, or should we be just looking at a replacement? You need to go into the maintenance menus and see if you can uh, clean the print head because it sounds like it's jammed. Okay, clean the print head. Yeah, now that's going to use a significant amount of ink. So, uh, you know, you don't want to do that too many times, but you might want to run it through a couple if it still doesn't show up. If after that it's still not showing up, I wouldn't uh, – I mean, you you can get someone to fix those, but as far as cost goes, it's generally not cost-effective. Okay. It just depends how much that printer costs initially and what kind of parts are available for it and how much those cost. Okay, sounds good. So I, I will uh, look for that in the maintenance menu on the thing and and, um, and try that later on today. I'm out in the field today, so um, after I get back. <laughs> All right, Lauren, let us know how it works. Uh, get back in touch okay. with us. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling from Thank Pearl you. this morning. Last week I was working on a printer, um, and uh, it was throwing out an error. It was like zero E something, but there was like nothing wrong with the printer. I mean, it, it, it just – it just kept throwing up this error, something about the instant ink cartridge. And um, so uh, I was like, I don't know. It, it, it's bored. Let's try to factory reset. <laughs> well, I should have Googled it because uh, what I would have found was that those HP printers, if you put an instant ink cartridge in it, like say your friend has one, like, hey, here, I haven't used this. You go ahead and take it. Oh, no signed up for the instant ink program and you try to use an instant ink cartridge in that printer it will not let you print and it will make you think that it is broken you have to go in there and turn on instant printing in order for that function to work and that is something i learned last week because after i made the site call and determined that after factory resetting it and trying several different things on it that uh it was unfixable uh, the client decided to uh, give HP a call, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's just the uh, instant ink thing in the menu here. We just got to turn that back on. It'll start printing. And while I'm kicking myself because I didn't fix that, I want to own up to it because I can't fix everything. And it's absurd to me that there's something like that hidden in a menu that you have to flick on. Otherwise, you can't print. Like, that is crazy proprietary control right there. Like, Wow. Yeah, for me, that's disingenuous, man. That's what yes, that is. That's... I, can't, I can't even give somebody a cartridge. And this, this client didn't have a cartridge given to her. She was part of the HP Instant Ink program. But somehow, when her printer updated, it flipped the switch off. And so she was no longer able to print. And she said it had been like that for quite some time. So that was interesting. And strike on you, HP. Yeah, right. On top of uh, all those hinges on those laptops. Oh man, don't even, don't even, don't even get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. Don't even get me started. I have a. You got me started. I have a client. Um, 
He's actually uh, a listener to the show. Uh, he brought me his computer, and uh, it has a hinge broken on it, just like many of the others. And I said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna get your serial number off of here. I want you to call HP at this number and see if they will replace this under warranty." I haven't actually heard back from him yet, uh, so I'm gonna holler back soon and see if uh, he just hasn't called him yet or what the deal is. But I hope sincerely that they will replace his computer under warranty because it is less than a year old and his hinges are broken. Goodness. Well, there you go. If he, if it was the first time you'd heard it here. But it's not. Chromecast with Google TV has now supporting live streaming video from Nest Cams and uh, doorbells as well. Interesting stuff. Hear what Jeremy has to say about that. Because uh, I know that's something he has uh, shared his experiences with us on the show with. We would love to hear from you this morning. Email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. All right. Before we go back to the phones, Jeremy, this week, Spotify has announced that they're launching a new home experience and the app that includes feeds for both music and podcasts and shows with an ampersand. Uh, the feature is currently rolling out to Android users and will soon be available on iOS. Uh, by creating these feeds, Spotify will help listeners to easily scroll, scroll through the type of content they're looking for at the moment, and the updated interface will make the experience more personalized while allowing users to dig even deeper into their recommendations. In the music feed, listeners will have quick access to suggestions based on their music taste. No thank you. Making discovering new favorites easier than ever. I just threw my little commentary in there. Uh, there will also be album and playlist recommendations. Again, no thanks. As well as buttons that make it easy to share, like, and instantly play music. In the podcast and shows feed, listeners will be able to head straight to new episodes of their favorite shows. Thank you. They'll be able to find personalized podcast recommendations. What's more, listeners will be able to read episode descriptions save to your episode lists or start playing podcasts without leaving the page. So the experience all starts from one place. So a UI reimagination for Spotify's uh, home starting page uh, in their app. And uh, they're, they're doing more to specifically separate the music from the podcast and uh, talkie bits. And uh, yeah, hopefully that will I don't know Jeremy do you I, I I don't know how you consume most of your music I don't know if you have a specific music streaming service or if you buy your music like a lot like a lot of people do but so many of the music streaming services have tried to get into the podcasting uh platforming and I certainly understand why it's certainly a lot of engagement but it seems like they were late enough to the game that it's just like that's not where people do that. It's like people already have a podcast app that that's their favorite, and it's not music streaming, and those things are different, I guess. At least that's the way it works for me. I definitely don't want the two weaved into my own experience. When I want to listen to music, I want to listen to music. Yeah. I guess what if you're a podcast dork, like I would say that I am to some extent, there are so many really good podcast-specific apps with enough really nice features that make getting a podcasting-specific platform app um, worth it, for me anyway, because I listen to enough of it. Uh, you know, having one where you can tag episodes or tag certain subscriptions and feeds certain ways and 
to have a, a pliable UI to kind of set it up the way that you would like to, which is something I desperately wish Spotify would do instead of continuing to try to recommend to me what they want me to listen to. Get out of the way and just let me have the music and put it in here how I want it to look. Their UI has been terrible for so long. But it's not like there's a whole lot of great competition for streaming platforms and how their UI works. It's all pretty clunky. But uh, Spotify's, I don't know, it's gotten better over the years. Maybe this makes it even better. Uh, but I wish there was a way that, I mean, I've been dying for somebody to mod Spotify's UI. This is more of like an Android dream than my current iPhone will let me even begin to think about dreaming about. But man, somebody should have modded Spotify's UI by now, right? Am I the only person that dreams about this? I don't know if you could just mod Spotify's UI. There's so much stuff that connects to their services that you would have to know about. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that would work. I mean, they would have to make it like skinnable, I guess. I'm not, not really sure. Yeah. I, it seems like something somebody would have already done with as much cool things and technology as there, as there is already. You'd think that somebody would have got to that uh, by this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, eventually we'll get there. To mark this week's ninth anniversary of the Chromecast line, Jeremy, Google has announced that the Chromecast with Google TV is finally getting support for watching live video feeds from the newest Nest Cam devices. Uh, this covers the almost one-year-old Nest Cam, outdoor or indoor battery, Nest Cam indoor and wired, Nest Cam with floodlight, and Nest doorbell. That's battery. Uh, this has been a glaring ecosystem and compatibility oversight that the company has been working to correct since last year. It comes as Amazon Alexa picked up support in May. The workaround has been to use the mobile apps or Nest Hub and other smart displays around the house. Google offers the following instructions, and there does not appear to be any setup process. They say Chromecast voice remote. Simply use your voice remote to say which device you want to stream the live feed from. For example, just say... Show me the front door camera to see your doorbell feed. Google said this feature is rolling out starting this week and means that now all Nest cams and Nest doorbells will be supported. The Chromecast with Google TV uh, was the only set-top box named today, but Nest Cam streaming hopefully encompasses all Android and Google TV devices. And looking ahead, the Google Nest team promised that a desktop web portal is coming sometime in 2022 to see video feeds and history on devices other than mobile ones. All right. Well, thanks so much for your calls this morning, folks. We were glad to hear from you. Again, if you ever call in and ask a question and get some advice from us, uh, we don't consider that the end of the process. We want to hear back from you. And we've had plenty of people who called back, you know, week over week to uh, get back in touch with us and give us, uh, you know, an update on how the experience has been. We certainly encourage everybody to do that. And uh, as well, you can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Hey, that's going to do it for us today. And stay tuned. Coming up uh, next Wednesday, we'll be back with an episode of Everyday Tech with Jeremy and Wiltz right here at 10 a.m. Wednesday on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org dot org.